Hello, welcome to the Jerry Academy podcast with your host, geriatrician, Dr. Golnir Sharif Saleh, providing you with information on aging-related topics. Learn more at geriacademy.com and follow me on social media. Hello, friends. Welcome to Episode 5 of the Jerry Academy podcast. I'm your host, geriatrician, Dr. Golnu Sharif Saleh. Today, I wanted to talk to you about osteoporosis, the other deadly killer. So osteoporosis pretty much means weak bones. My guests are Dr. Shushan Wong, a geriatric fellow, and Dr. Chris Rice, a rheumatology fellow. Did you know that 300,000 people are hospitalized every year for a hip fracture? That 95% of those hip fractures are due to falling? And did you know that untreated osteoporosis can lead to premature death? So let's learn more, prevent fractures, and get stronger. Hello, guys. Hi. Hello. Thanks for coming on the show. You're very welcome. I'm glad to be on the show. (laughs) So, Dr. Wong, you just wrote a blog. Um, We called it Don't Give Me a Break, Osteoporosis (laughs) and You, on the um, Jerry Academy blog site. And um, it it was a great read. It's uh, it's quick and it's, I think, informative. But um, just tell us a little bit about yourself before we start um, talking about osteoporosis. Okay, well, I am a geriatric fellow um, with Blue Ridge in Morganton, North Carolina. Uh, this is uh, my first year and only year into it. I've been greatly enjoying myself. Uh, before that, I was working as a hospitalist at the same facility. I've seen a lot of uh, elderly patients coming in and out, uh, which you know actually kind of inspired me to um, take up taking care of older patient as more of a, a specialty or, uh, <laughs> you know, it's my passion to take care of older patients as much as I could. You know, um, it's kind of interesting that you guys are actually married and one of you is going to be working as a geriatrician <laughs> and the other one as a rheumatologist. I think the two specialties really like blend well together. Um, So Dr. Rice, um, tell me a little bit more about you. Um, Yeah, so I'm currently in my second year of a rheumatology fellowship, which is a two-year program down in Augusta, Georgia. So I uh, see patients at the Augusta University Medical Center and also at the Charlie Norwood VA Medical Center there. Um, And it's a very... uh, very interesting specialty to me and I was very excited to hear the opportunity to talk about osteoporosis since this topic is uh, very uh, relevant that we see it on in both those patient populations I work with. Yep. Um, you know, our hospital system, it's interesting. We, we started a fall clinic and um, our last podcast, we were talking about falls, but one of the, um, issues that we have is so many people fall and break a hip and they have osteoporosis and it's never detected until they have that tragic event. And so I'm hoping with this podcast, we'll be able to inform our listeners so that um, we can maybe even prevent some of those um, fractures that um, 
you know, or an outcome, a result of untreated osteoporosis. So um, can you tell me a little bit about the incidence or how common osteoporosis is, Dr. Wong? Yes, for sure. So um, it's a very common, actually, disease that is uh, silent until it leads to something serious. Approximately 10 million Americans suffer from osteoporosis, and additional 44 million are at risk for developing it. Um, and uh, women are uh, more uh, prone uh, to it when they're reaching their menopause. Um, and uh, about half of all women in their lifetime will break a bone due to osteoporosis. And they're uh, um, actually more, twice more likely than men to develop osteoporosis. You know, it's really interesting. So, Dr. Rice, with you being in rheumatology, how often are you seeing men who have osteoporosis? Because I think we are, um, we, we don't think of men as being at risk, but the literature, the data shows us that there are some men that are at risk. Yeah, absolutely. And so I'd say that um, in my mind, I tend to think of two groups of men who are at much greater risk for osteoporosis compared to the general population. And one is, I don't see them, but men who've had any kind of uh, hormone deprivation therapy, usually associated with things like prostate cancer or other things during their lifetime that can uh, really negatively affect their bone density, you know, from that point out. But then in the in rheumatology, the inflammatory diseases that we see patients on and also some of the uh, medical treatments they receive, uh, especially steroid treatments, which are very common in rheumatology, uh, puts those men at uh, much, much increased risk for osteoporosis, even though you typically think of men as being at an overall relatively lower risk. Um, you know, th that is a very common thing in my field. So I do see a lot of men who are at, you know, greater than the, the average risk. Dr. Wong, can you elaborate a little bit on how women tend to lose bone as they get older? Um, okay, so both men and women uh, build the bone about the same rate and have the most robust bones in their mid-20s, after which the rate in both start to uh, lose. In women from their mid-30s and 40s, their bones are generally stable, and there's um, very slow bone loss. Around mid-40s and 50s, women start to experience more rapid bone loss, especially during menopause. They can lose about 7% per year. By mid-50s to late life, women will continue to lose bone at a rate of 1% to 2% per year. Uh, for men, um, you know, after age 30, there's a more steady stream of uh, losing. There's about 1% of bone loss per year, um, but they can lose up to 6% bone yearly, depending on what risk factors they are. Okay. And so can you talk about some of these risk factors? I know there's some that, you know, are modifiable, like we can make some behavioral changes and really um, reduce our risk of having osteoporosis. And there are some risk factors that we just can't do much about. Right, for sure. That's a great point. So um, 
people are at different risk factors. Different depends on you know your genetics and what you do. Um, there are risk factors that can be changed. Um, there are risk factors that cannot be changed. Um, things like older age, location, ethnic background. A previous fracture, family history of osteoporosis. These are the things we can't change, right?、Um, but the risk factors that can be changed are something we could work on, including,、um, you know, sedentary lifestyle where you do little or no physical activities,、um, or cigarette smoking,、um, excessive use of alcohol,、um, and、uh, poor nutrition. Or rapid unintentional weight loss,、um, or their base、um, body weight less than 127 pounds, they're、um, at higher risk.、Uh, there are other、uh, chronic or acute diseases the person、um, is living with, things like thyroid diseases, liver diseases,、uh, chronic steroid use, like Dr. Rice mentioned,、uh, vitamin D deficiency. Uh, chronic kidney disease or、um, hypogonadism is, which is a condition where the body doesn't produce hormones like testosterone uh, as uh, efficiently, or other things like rheumatoid arthritis or other inflammatory diseases. Okay, and、um, how you know I know that、um, chronic kidney disease and diabetes and、um, Some of the other, like thyroid disease, how 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 would you say, Doctor Ice, these disease processes are like leading to osteoporosis? Why do those、uh, increase our risk factors? Yeah, so you know, it's the the exact mechanism by disease is a little bit complicated to go into in some of those cases, but、um, as a general part, seeing with that is the dense the the minerals in your bone which give them strength, namely calcium. Is carefully regulated in your body by hormones,、um, and so particularly with things like kidney disease,、um, and also to some extent with then、uh, you know thyroid disease or chronic inflammatory diseases, the these、uh, hormonal control of that bone strength gets altered,、um, and so a lot of times that can cause you to lose your your calcium from the bones, which takes away their hardness, you know, at a, at a much accelerated rate. Uh, and, in, and in rare circumstances, can actually cause there to be、uh, too much calcium deposited into the bone, which can actually make them too brittle if the hormones are too far in the other direction. Okay, and and、um, Dr. Wong, so who should get tested for osteoporosis?、Um, so right now, the recommendation is that every woman over the age of sixty-five should be tested. And、additionally, any older adult with a risk factor、um, that we just mentioned、uh, or loss of height by more than one point five inches should be tested, regardless of gender. For men, there's no routine testing recommendation just yet. <laughs> okay, okay. And so, what is the best way、uh, to get tested for osteoporosis, Dr. Rice? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. Thanks. So. So we actually have a very good test for osteoporosis. It used to be we didn't know you had it until it caused you harm,、uh, which is problematic because most of our treatments are good at reducing your risk, not for, you know, fixing problems immediately once they've happened. So the best test we have is called a, a bone densitometry X-ray scanner. We'll refer to it as a DEXA.、Uh, this is basically a very simple 
fast x-ray that just looks at how dense your bones are. And this, uh, we've actually had this test now. I think it's started in the late 1980s and became uh, more widely accessible in the 1990s um, as a very effective screening test. And this has actually led to we have a really, really large amount of data why we know this test is good. Some of it come from the Women's Health Initiative and you know other large studies uh, in the United States and, and abroad that this uh, DEXA scan is very good for detecting osteoporosis long before it's caused any damage. And um, what are some of the common sites that are x-rayed? Yeah, so you know, most often we'll look at the density of bone in the low back, you know, the, the bones of the spine, and then also mm -hmm. looking at the bones of the hip. And we look at these areas, one, because they're pretty consistent, and also because these are areas where people very often have the fractures from their low bone density. So looking at the bone density there really does help, you know, give us useful information. Okay. And how often should an individual um, get tested? Yeah. So that can depend a little bit on what the findings are. Definitely, you know, it's recommended for all women uh, after menopause to undergo screening, usually by age 65 or sometimes earlier if there's any uh, other risk factors, concerns, uh, even potentially a very strong history. Uh, for men, it's a little bit less clear if there needs to be a routine screening of all men versus men who have some type of risk factor in their history, like the ones we talked about before. Okay. And then the follow-up testing, bones don't change too quickly over time. So in some cases, if someone has a, a, a bone density that we're needing to take some kind of action or treating for, sometimes repeating after about two years is enough time for us to really see a change in the bone. But sometimes we may not have to check so often for people who look like they have stable or healthy bones. Okay. And, and what if the DEXA scan says osteopenia, not osteoporosis? What does that mean? Yeah. So osteopenia is essentially a number where your bone density is uh, low when compared to average bone densities, but it's not so low that you're felt to be at a as substantially great risk of a fracture or, or you know, as you would be with osteoporosis. So essentially it's a low bone density, but not as low as osteoporosis. It's a distinction we tend to make because when the risk is not as great, it's more likely that things such as behavioral changes or, or dietary supplementation can help prevent the further bone loss from getting you into osteoporosis. Okay. And then Dr. Wong, how about preventing osteoporosis? Now we've done this bone density. Um, let's say you are at risk for having osteoporosis, but you don't have osteoporosis or you're younger and you want to try to prevent getting osteoporosis in the future. What can you do to prevent osteoporosis? Very good question. So, um, when you uh, are when you find out you have osteopenia or lower bone density, uh, you always want to figure out you know um, if there's any other uh, thing that's causing it, like other underlying diseases, uh, thyroid disease or kidney disease, and try to modify the risk factor by uh, treating it appropriately first. Uh, uh, the second thing is that you could uh, modify uh, lifestyle or habits 
where you um, participate in more weight-bearing exercises or trying to quit smoking, decrease alcohol and uh, alcohol consumption, um, so that you would um, get your body stronger to uh, uh, build up the bones. The third thing you、uh, you could do is to actually、uh, replace some of the essential vitamins and calcium,、uh, trying to actively build your bones.、Um, the two things that we want to talk about: one is vitamin D, and the other one is calcium. The FDA recommends that、uh, older adults、uh, take 800 units of vitamin D3 daily. Uh, so vitamin D has been shown to maintain bone health, and actually linked to preventing falls in older、uh, adults.、Uh, when it's combined with calcium, it has been shown to reduce the risk of fat fractures. So a daily vitamin D supplement、uh, at the recommended dose is safe to take. And、uh, but don't forget all the diet、uh, source, right?、Um, there's a lot of diet out there that's rich in vitamin D, including milk,、uh, yogurt, uh, some uh, uh, fish like sardines, tuna,、um, and leafy greens or beans.、Um, actually, some animal livers、uh, will also contain rich, be rich in vitamin D.、Um, eggs and certain mushrooms, they're all rich in vitamin D. Now,、uh, for calcium, it's a little tricky.、Um, the daily recommended dose of calcium is about twelve hundred milligram.、Um, it's about a little bit over one gram a day.、Um, but don't forget, this includes the calcium you eat in your diet.、Um, so don't forget, if you're eating enough calcium-rich food, you don't need to take additional supplement. Uh, uh, too much. Uh, calcium actually would cause some trouble. So if you want more information, you could go to Jerry Academy blog on vitamins and herbs and discuss in details about、uh, vitamin D and calcium supplement. Yeah, and you know, on your blog, you have an excellent、uh, chart on what items contain how much calcium, and、um, you know, you even. Had an example, so like if someone has a cup of yogurt a day, that cup of yogurt is maybe about two hundred and fifty milligrams of <laughs> calcium, right? And then a glass of milk might be about a hundred and fifty. An ounce of cheese is like a hundred and fifty to two hundred milligrams. And、mm-hmm. so if you eat that every day, that's you know. Going to be a lot of calcium, and you may only need 500 to 600 more milligrams a day.、Um, not actually taking a full 1,200 milligram tablet of calcium, which can cause kidney issues, constipation. You know,、um, correct. And it's right not ple-、yeah. not pleasant to have not calcium side of it. Um, and one one、um, small、uh, things for good for people to know that if you want to take calcium, take it in small portion. That's actually、uh, help your body to absorb it. If you take it in、um, a large、uh, portion, large pill, that's actually harder for your body to absorb. Yeah, so small、um, frequent. <laughs> I I think that's like great advice.、Um, Yeah, I, I what I've noticed usually when I see patients in the office, they're like, "Oh, I take these two pills. This is my calcium per day." And then you ask about their diet, and you're like, "Oh no, wait, you're you're taking way too much calcium." And then I think once we fix that, you know, we're like, "Okay, now this is a combination of your diet, and then maybe just take this one pill."
then they don't have some of those side effects. And again, the, the big one that I see in our um, practice is, is constipation, I would have to say. Oh, sure. now, yeah. So Dr. Rice, I, we've talked a lot about being active, preventing um, osteoporosis, the types of nutrition that we may need to consider and nutrients um, to prevent osteoporosis. But if someone has osteoporosis, can you talk to us a little bit about some treatments that are available? Yeah. So we actually have a couple different types of treatments now. Um, I think that talk about the vitamins and nutrition is super important. Um, but it is true that in general, the the diet supplement activity alone is not going to bring the bone density up in, especially in elderly individuals. Um, it's but it is more likely to help prevent further loss. Uh, fortunately, we have several different types of medicines now. There's actually um, oral medications that can be taken on a weekly basis. Uh, there's some injectable medicines that can be used at home, which are under the skin shots, and then. Uh, less frequently dosed every six or even 12 months. There are some medications that can be given in an infusion center. Uh, you know, some of these work by really stopping more bone from being broken down. And some of these can actually accelerate the, the building up of new bone. Um, so usually the selection of a particular medicine is something that you'd have to discuss with the physician because they'll need to look at, you know, any other medical issues and medicines you're on. And also, you know, how severe is the osteoporosis that, that they're looking at? Are you someone who's had recent fractures um, versus are you just now being picked up by a screening test and might not need as aggressive medical therapy alongside doing some of those lifestyle changes? So Dr. Rice, um, one of the things that I see in the hospital setting is oftentimes we have an older adult who breaks a hip because of a fall. Now we know that that person now has the diagnosis of osteoporosis, even though they have not had a bone density, just having that fracture gives them that diagnosis. Now, is this a person that needs to start treatment for osteoporosis? Yes, absolutely. And I think this is, this is currently a, a big area we can improve on both from you know, the patient understanding and, and for the physicians, the, the fact of having that major fracture of a, an important bone, like in the spine or in the hip, you know, by itself shows that there's weakness of that bone that would benefit from being treated. Um, and so there are a variety of medications like, like we were talking about, and it's really important that people who've had a fracture like that do get on treatment since they have a significant risk of another fracture in the future due to the, the frailty or relative weakness of the bone. So far when this has been looked at, it's a lot of people who are appropriate and would benefit from this kind of medication therapy for osteoporosis are actually not getting it um, due to it not being um, thought about as much or, or treatment started as aggressively as it could, you know, even without any specific kind of DEXA test or other, you know, evaluation with the osteoporosis. Yeah. And, it's, it's interesting because, you know, when I was in medical school, there really wasn't that much, you know, in terms of options for treatment. And all of a sudden, over the last like 10 years, there are so much more option for treatment. And so if a patient doesn't tolerate one type of treatment, there's always um, another option. And if one treatment doesn't seem to be working, 
then there's always another option, you know? So I think um, being able to address this disease process um, right now is so much better than the way we've been able to do it in the past. And like, I also think we've kind of ignored this disease for so long, but because the country is aging, right? The world is aging and we're going to have so many baby boomers by 2029 reaching 65 and older. We have to protect them. We have to prevent them from falling. We have to prevent fractures just to preserve quality of life, right? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Yeah. This is, I think it's an area there's been a tremendous improvement in our in our science that we have more treatments now for osteoporosis than ever before, but we really haven't seen uh, a much of improvement in our screening and identifying it and starting those treatments any more than we already had been seeing since the 1990s. Yeah. So um, you guys, thank you so much for talking about this topic. It is near and dear to my heart just because we treat so many patients with hip fractures uh, because of untreated osteoporosis. Um, what is one takeaway that you really think our listeners need to know? So one of the takeaway um, is that, um, you know, don't wait till um, you have had a fracture, a injury, a serious uh, effect from osteoporosis um, just because it's usually asymptomatic, it usually doesn't have any symptom um, before you uh, pay enough attention to it. Um, you know, about one-fourth American age 50 and older who have a hip fracture will die within a year of the injury, and half of all hip fracture uh, old elderly patients never regain full function on the affected joint. Um, so this is a very serious illness and um, it's definitely treatable or amenable if you pay enough attention early enough. Dr. Rice? Yeah, I, I definitely think being very aware of this and the fact that there is screening out there and that early treatment is much better than waiting until there's been a lot of harm later in life. So, you know, I think talking to your so trying to be healthy and getting an adequate calcium and vitamin D and some physical activity early in life really does pay dividends in this. And then talking to your doctor, especially for women who are, you know, progressing through menopause and may have other risk factors as well, or, you know, anyone who's getting into age 65 or older, you know, bringing it up on whether you'd be appropriate for screening. And then, you know, based on the findings, whether a treatment could help really limit your risk over the next 10 or 20 years of having such a major event. Yeah. Thank you both so much. And um, Dr. Wong, I just have to tell you that um, you had excellent references and up-to-date information um, on your blog. And so I think that our listeners would really benefit if they checked out the blog and, um, you know, it, it is um, organized well. And so thank you for that. And thank you guys for doing this podcast um, with me. And I'm hoping we have a great deal of listeners who um, learn something new and hopefully it benefits them or a loved one. For sure. Thank you. Thank you guys. Thank you. Um, yep. Thanks. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of the Jerry Academy podcast. 
learn more at jerryacademy.com or follow me on social media for information on future episodes.